Hello. Hello. <sighs> okay. Let me just sort myself out. Oh, you did it. Thank you. All right. Well, um, the first thing I'm going to say is... Um, actually, there's a lot of things I want. You know what? No. My, if you live inside my brain, I think like this. And somehow I managed to get it out in sentences. But this is not part of my preach, but I just wanted to say, uh, Nick and I did um, Daryl's intensive back when we first came into FOD, maybe 2017. And I, I, I usually say this whenever I speak at any of Daryl's intensives, it literally changed our lives. And the, subst- the subtractions that we... Actually, it wasn't even mine, it was Nick's. Um, but I, I kind of added his subtractions, as in not as an addition, but I, I added more subtractions to mine because he, so we could do it together. And we're, we've, we are still subtracted of that thing. So it actually became a lifestyle. And, and there was one sentence that I will say um, uh, that came from that. Is anyone here that was in that intensive group with me? Yes. Yes. It's like a reunion. Did you put up your hand? You went there. <laughs> um, one of the things that Daryl said was, uh, in, I, don't, I don't know what week it was, I, just, I was triggering the whole time, and we had just come into FOD. So can you imagine just coming into FOD for the first time and then landing straight into an intensive? It was run very differently. Um, anyway, and Daryl says, I don't even remember the sentence, but I remember the, the phrase hostile intent. And he says something about, you know, going after things with hostile intent. And that, that did something to me because by, by design, I'm, I'm violent. It's funny that he mentioned that with the drums. But for me, it gave me permission to not only... It wasn't only okay to want it all, but it was okay to go about it aggressively. So that's what, that, that was, that's what launched me. That if, if I had to say, you know, the big, I get asked all the time, you know, in, in mental groups and stuff, like, you know, had this all start, that. It was like, so it's okay to want it all and not only want it all but to go after it. You can go into top gear from day one. And, and that's what, that's how I would describe. Anyway, okay, again, that's not what my preach is. Anyway. Okay, so when I was asked to um, contribute to this series, um, and, you know, obviously it's about how to live prophetically, I just, I didn't have to think twice and knew what I was going to talk about straight away. It's not the heart. I mean, the heart's involved in everything, but straight away, it was like, I'm going to talk about following the cloud. Now, it has been the most difficult thing for me to put down on paper. It is a subject I know very, 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 very well. I'm not talking about, you know... um, Theologically, I mean, I, I know enough, don't worry. <laughs> Everyone's going to be like. Um, but it is something that we have lived, like genuinely lived. And it was the most difficult one to get down on paper. I don't know why, I still can't work it out. But I got there. Okay. Let me just quickly pray. Holy Spirit. In your words, would you just allow the substance of your heart of the journey to come through and not the substance of mine? We, we thank you for the testimony of journey. We thank you that the Rima always matches the Logos. 
So we just thank you right now that everything that you ever intended for this message to carry would be established according to your plumb line of truth. Okay. All right. So following the cloud is what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm going to say straight off the bat, it is the most liberating way to live. It's not the easiest, depending on what you define as easy, but it is the most liberating and most rewarding way to live. And I'm going to share parts of our journey um, throughout the, the, the teach, um, as per usual. But it's become such a term that the Theos, when I say Theos, that's us, um, as in the Theo 5, uh, it's become such a familiar term for us that we use it with the kids regularly. When we need to inform the kids about a new decision, we'll say the cloud has moved. And the kids say, okay, which I'll share as well, because um, that was a journey. All right, so the most logical place to start for me is, you know, what does that even mean? Like, what does following the cloud mean? Um, I'm going to be giving you guys some, the closest thing to a, it's not really a formula, but a checklist right towards the end, because so that way you can engage it in a more practical level. But let me just start there. What does following the cloud even mean? Now, the term following the cloud, for those of you who may not be familiar with it, is a direct reference to one of the most significant seasons of, in, of the history of the Israelites, okay? So Daryl was kind of, um, he was talking around about that time, uh, the Exodus. So we're talking about when, the, when God led the, the Hebrews out of Egypt. And as, as they, you know, from before they crossed the Red Sea, he manifested it as a pillar of cloud, and I'm going to go into some scripture. I'm going to unpack it all. But when we say following the cloud, that is what we're talking about. Okay, we're not talking about the clouds that appear in the sky due to the weather patterns. We're talking about God manifested as a supernatural phenomena for his people. So it's, um, and we're introduced to it. Don't put it up now, please. But we're introduced to it in Exodus 13. Okay, but it's not, you know, 1400 BC. So what does that look like these days? All right, um, what I'm describing, and this is such a massive topic, so I, I don't even know how much justice this is going to do it, but um, what I'm describing is an MO that pretty much encapsulates an entire life in him. Okay. So this whole intensive is about, you know, uh, learning how to live prophetically. I mean, that's a way to describe it. So to me, if we, if we want to say that we want to live prophetically, we should be really familiarising ourselves with the cloud. Because that is an actual outworking of living prophetically. Because the prophetic is not separate from the cloud. Okay? The prophetic is the witness of the cloud. The prophetic is the testimony of the cloud. The prophetic is the avenue in which we discern the cloud. Because again, it's not 1400 BC where it was a literal manifestation. Um, so... And the first scripture I want to put up is Romans 8.14 because this is... Um, the New Testament parallel to following the cloud. Okay? The sons of God... Oh, okay. Yeah. For as many as, as led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So it literally means the same thing. So this is the New Testament parallel to what we see in Exodus... Um, introduced to in Exodus 13. Okay. So I'm just going to finish this part here by saying... Following the cloud, what I'm trying to gently arrive at is what I'm saying to you, is following the cloud isn't an option. It shouldn't be if we're choosing and we're professing to live prophetically. Okay, it's not an option. And it's not something you do selectively. When I discovered that I was prophetic, 
I didn't even consider the cloud. You know, you, you get activated, you, you learn. It's all about you and your gifting and, and you start to journey. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I hadn't even considered the cloud, let alone that it was meant to be a lifestyle. Um, and the reason why it's so important to understand what it means to follow the cloud is because the cloud is the, one, is the thing that facilitates us through transition. Right? Now, why is that important? Transition... When transition is done well, and it's funny because we <laughs> think of the landing, <laughs> that tag, but transition done well looks like breakthrough. That's what transition is. The whole purpose of transition is to not just get from one point, from one place to another. The whole purpose of transition, when it's done well, looks like breakthrough, it looks like verdicts, it looks like fulfilled promises and promotion. That's what transition done well looks like. So I'm implying that transition can be done not so well, which I'll also be sharing. And the other reason why that's important is that transition is what keeps us from hope deferred. Okay? Now, again, this is a massive topic, and I had to limit it to just the equipping component, because otherwise I could be up here for days. Now, we're going to move on to now what is the cloud? If we reduce the cloud to the way that it was told, the account of the Exodus story, if we reduce the cloud to just a physical manifestation of God's presence, which is amazing, I'm not, I'm not trivialising that in any way, but if we reduce it to something that happened at 1400 BC, what that actually does is it causes that to be trapped in time and space. So we can't think of the cloud that way. And there's so much I want to say. Similar to Jesus walking on the earth. That happened 2,000 years ago, right? One of the biggest struggles that we have when we you know, work out our salvation is laying a hold of what happened 2,000 years ago when we weren't present to witness it firsthand. Laying a hold of something by faith. Okay? So things become trapped in time and space. Your revelation can be trapped in time and space. So we need to, we, we need to remove that. You know, and it's funny because I didn't tell Daryl any of this and he starts unpacking about a movie that he's watched and Belle saying to him, this actually happened. It's kind of the same thing. It's I want you to engage with a substance that actually took place in time and space but is not limited to that account. Okay. Now, I'm going to quickly unpack um, what the cloud actually is. So, number one, the cloud is not the presence of the Lord. Okay? It is not the presence of the Lord. The cloud is what inhabits. Well, he inhabits the cloud. Right? Which, in English, which way is it? He inhabits or it, whatever. It's where he is. Okay? But the actual cloud is not the presence of the Lord. It's where he chooses to dwell and remain and abide. Okay, so let me, show you the, let me show you how. So if we can put up Exodus 13, 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night... Oh, that's the wrong one. Oh, no, 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 sorry. Keep going. Yeah, no, that's okay. No, me keep going. You wait there. All right. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night a pillar of fire to give them light as to go by day and night. Now, the word there, the word cloud in that, in that portion of Scripture... 
The word cloud means to cover, it means to act covertly, it means to observe times, it means to be a soothsayer or a sorcerer. Now, we all know that the Lord's not a sorcerer. But the supernatural phenomena of the cloud is that. So the cloud is a dimension. It's a realm. Okay? Now, what we see here is that the cloud becomes a supernatural navigation system. The occult use it all the time. So I'll say that again. The cloud is a realm. It is not the Lord's presence. It is a realm. It's a supernatural phenomena that he inhabits and dwells in. It is something, it is a substance that is used to observe times. Okay? It's a navigation system. And the other thing that the cloud represents is transition. But again, we'll get back to... I'm going to keep repeating a few things because I'm not going to tie it all up in the end. Now, I want to qualify that I said that the, the, the cloud is not the presence of the Lord. Can you please put up Exodus 14, 24? Now, it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. So again, we see that it is a realm, okay? And if we learn how to utilize that realm... It becomes the portal it was designed to be for us. Okay. So counterfeit navigation systems look like horoscopes, tarot reading, fortune telling, all of that kind of thing. All right. Uh, now, I'm going to wrap up this part of the conversation with the cloud doesn't manifest. Well, it may. I don't know. I haven't personally seen it that way. But the cloud doesn't manifest now like it did back then. But he's, it's certainly still part of the plan. And if we learn how to use the prophetic to discern, we can be as securely and surely led as the Israelites were in the desert. Okay. You know, you know what's scary? You could be the most gifted prophetic person on the planet and you could still be stuck in the wilderness. Which I'm also going to go into. But before I do, I'm going to qualify this. The wilderness isn't necessarily a bad thing. I know that whenever it's mentioned, it's usually associated with something, you know, like trials and, and, and testing. But the wilderness isn't a bad thing. And it is absolutely normal to be led by the Lord into seasons of the wilderness. We Theos are currently in a wilderness season, which I'm also going to go into. Can you see how many conversations I've opened up with you? All right. Okay. So the wilderness is where the Lord facilitates a season of transition for us individually. It doesn't look like it did back then, but it's still very much a part of our individual process. The determining factor of whether wilderness is a negative or positive experience is whether the Lord led you there. That's the difference. Because if the, if the Lord hasn't led you, the cloud, if the, if, if, um, if the cloud hasn't led you into the wilderness, it becomes a state of wandering. Okay. Now, the, I'm, I'm not going to stay too long on that particular um, statement, but what I do want to say is this. I, I, I want to just, I, I want to put a marker in this part of the conversation. It is very normal for the Lord to lead us into seasons, 
into the wilderness. And it is in those seasons where he facilitates levels of transition for us personally. Right? And, and I know that you know that. We see that with Moses when he's, when, you know, he's exiled. We see that with Jesus when he, when, before, right before he's launched into ministry. Um, and, it's, and it depends on how you steward your time in the wilderness. Because you can be led by the Lord into a season of the wilderness, but if you don't steward that well, because remember, the cloud moves. So if you're going to enter the wilderness through the cloud, you have to keep following that cloud. It's like turning on a sat-nav in a foreign city and then after three streets, you just turn it off and you go, I'll, I'll just wing it, right? So that's literally what that's like, okay? So it really depends on how you steward your season. You can either come out transformed and promoted or you could come out like a feral cat that's had to... Um, What's the word? Adapt. That's a thing. Anyway, no. Okay. All right. Now, all right. I'm going to be moving. I've got a lot to say, so I'm moving very quickly. So we know what the cloud is. We know that the cloud isn't the physical manifestation of the Lord. Okay, it's, it's a realm. It's a portal, it's designed to transition us, it's designed to help us to navigate seasons of transition. Um, and, and not limited to transition, okay? But because there were times when the cloud moved in the wilderness, there was time that it just stayed. Now, so the, the first, next thing I'm going to talk about is why is cultivating a lifestyle of following the cloud so important? Now, that might seem really obvious, or because God said so? No, but let's really unpack what that actually is. Why is cultivating a lifestyle? I'm very intentional with my language. You, it doesn't happen upon you. You have to cultivate a lifestyle in order to follow the cloud. Um, so let's, let's look at why that's so important. Well, number one, where the cloud is, there is provision. Okay? So if the Lord has chosen to lead you to a certain place in your life, and it doesn't have to be a geographical move, it can just be any form of transition. Where he has chosen to lead you, it makes a demand on heaven. Heaven has to provide because that's scroll. Following the cloud is the same thing as saying you're on scroll. It's the same thing. Where the cloud is, there is protection. If the Israelites did not move when the cloud moved, they were left exposed. While they were in the wilderness, wherever the cloud led them, it was the Lord's responsibility to provide for them and to protect them. Where the cloud is, there is territory taking. There is opportunity and strategy for territory taking. Wherever he led them became a thread of them then taking the promised land. And along the way, they took many places. So... It's important for protection, provision, knowing that you're on scroll, and taking territory. And following the cloud always guarantees that you are always in the right Kairos moment. Because, again, it's his responsibility to... You know, when you, when you get a prophetic word, one of the hardest things to do when you're stewarding that word is getting the timing right. Well, that, that's what I find. So following the cloud... That's why I said it, it's, it's a scary way to live, but it's extremely liberating because it allows you to abdicate in all the right ways. As long as I just do what you say and I go where you go and I do it like you say to do it, the rest is your problem. 
Like, really, really quickly, I'm going to go into this a bit later, but, you know, as an example, we pulled our kids out of school. I had no plan to. I had very strong opinions about homeschooling, and it was connected to some sort of Amish association, literally. But when the Lord told us to pull our kids out of school, that came with a whole lot of questions and insecurities. And, I, and one of them was, you know, anyway, I got to remember this is a microphone, and it's being recorded. <laughs> anyway... And I said to him, I said, you're fine, I'll do it, but you're going to have to provide. And I'm talking about money. Homeschooling is so much cheaper. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about everything. And he does. So it's very different to present before the Lord, fix this from the place that you're saying it from. When you know that you have followed the cloud and you know you're standing exactly where you're meant to stand, you can say that and you can say that confidently other than it being a, 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 an orphan cry of, this is your fault, fix it. Big difference. Okay. I mentioned um, Romans 8.14 before, and I made a statement. I said it's a direct parallel of following the cloud um, in, in, for the Old Testament account. And now I just want to unpack that really quickly. So again, can you just put up Romans 8.14, please? Uh, so for as many as are led... By the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, the word led there means to, obviously, to lead, to drive, and it also means to induce. The word induce means to succeed in persuading someone to do something, and it also means to bring about or give rise to, okay? So, for those that are induced, for those that are persuaded by the Lord to do something, that's what that statement means. Well, that's a layer of that statement. So how does this translate when referencing the cloud? Can we put up um, Exodus 13, 21, please? Again, so we're going back and forth a little bit. So, and then the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way. Now, the word lead there means to guide, to bring, to govern, and it means to straighten. The word straighten there is not the word straighten for making something crooked straight. It's not S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T. Okay, it's, S, it's like dire straits. It's just, okay, do you know dire straits, the band? Just straits. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so the word straighten there. So the word, so the cloud manifested to lead the way. The word lead means to guide and to straighten. And the word straighten means to make something narrow, to cause something to become narrow. Okay, so it's a different meaning. Then lead the way. So we know what lead means. The way, the word for way here is derek. I think I'm saying it right. And it means a road. It means a course of life. It means a mode of action pertaining to custom, conversation and manner. Now, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go straight to the root word. The root word of derek is dorak and it actually is talking about your walk. And it also means to string a bow. So a piece of wood, in order for it to be strung, has to be trodden. So the Hebrew word means to, to literally tread on something so it can be bent. Okay? So the pillar of cloud manifested to lead the way. So the pillar of cloud manifested to cause, to, to, to invite the Hebrews into... A, a, a place or a posture is an invitation, 
a posture of becoming, allowing themselves to become narrow, pertaining to their walk, their custom, their conversation, their manner, their mode of action. Okay? And it also means, the, the root word of way also means to thresh, which means to separate violently. Okay? So following the cloud is not just getting from one place to another, it's an entire process internally and externally, if it's done well. Okay. Now, can you see how this begins to shift the paradigm of what it meant to follow the cloud? They might have seen it as a navigation system, but that's why a lot of them perished along the way. A lot of them missed the Lord's heart behind leading them through the wilderness, through the cloud. And we know that through breaking down the meanings of the words. Okay. So it's not just about getting you from point A to point B. It's the Lord's design for transition. Um, and it, is in, it should be as internal as it is external. Okay. Now, I'm going to put up here, because I wanted to, um, Psalm 119, 105, please. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, what's interesting there is that that verse, I know I've heard people um, unpack that in different ways, but it's saying that your word does two things. Your word gives me an immediate insight or awareness of where my feet are right now, what my next step is, okay? A lamp, a lamp unto my feet right here, and it also shows further down the path, okay? But following the cloud doesn't always look like you get the whole picture. Sometimes it's just being led by where to put your, your next step. Um, and it's the same thing. The, cloud, the, the, the meaning of the word, um, when the cloud manifested, it was to, to provide them light by night as well. Okay, so it's the same thing. Following the cloud is literally living by his word and being spirit-led. Um, okay. Uh, and if you're taking notes... And you like these little sentences that you, uh, you know, coffee mug type sentences. It would be this: following the cloud is a process of becoming narrow. That's what it is, literally. All right. What I really want to make clear here is that it's always an invitation. Following the cloud is an invitation. Now I'm going to summarize everything I've just said in in three or four bullet points, okay? The Lord leads us, we've just seen that in both Old Testament and New Testament scriptures, the Lord leads us by invitation. The invitation is to, is to accept a journey. That's what you're being invited into. You're being invited into accepting a journey. And the journey is of submission both externally and internally. It pertains to your customs. It pertains to your manner it pertains to your walk. It pertains to your conversation. That was, a, that was the literal meaning in the Hebrew. It, it referenced conversation. So it pertains to the con your conversation, the ones you're having and the ones you're not having. Okay? So the process of that entire invitation will feel like something. It will feel like being shaken down and pressed together. It's going to feel like you're the wood of the bow. 
when we started our journey, it felt like all of those things. It felt like being trodden on. It felt like being bent in order for the string to go on the boat. It felt like that violence sifting. You know when I say, like, you know, don't fight it, just go with it. It's so true. When you allow, the whole purpose of that violent sifting, which can become traumatic if you don't recognize it for what it is. So living prophetically, which is the purpose of this intensive, living prophetically should be having the ability to discern the cloud. So when you discern the cloud, the transition doesn't become traumatic. Okay? So you understand that the Lord is actually on your behalf, in your in your best interest, allowing a threshing to take place. I'm, I'm going to... Anyway, there's so many things I want to tell you. All right. So we've established the what and the why, so now we're going to talk about the how. Okay? I'm moving very quickly here. All right. How to follow the cloud. Now, the Israelites had it pretty easy because there was a literal cloud. I mean, they did it tough. I was in the desert re- recently. Uh, and we were in the Middle East. And the whole time, whenever we were actually in the desert and not in the non-desert of Dubai, whenever we were in the desert, I was trying to feel for what is it actually like to be in the wilderness of the Middle East? Because I preach a lot about the Exodus. Not by choice, it's obviously part of the Lord's thread um, for this part of my scroll, but it would have been really uncomfortable. It wasn't uncomfortable where we went because they provided five-star like, you know, here's an esky full of ice and drinks and here's a carpet so you don't have to get sand on your feet and here's a fan, I don't, there's a generator running so you could have a fan. So the, the Israelites definitely had it tough, but that part they had served to them on a silver platter. Now the reason why, and I know that you know that, but the reason why I want to make that clear is because why did some perish along the way? Okay? They didn't have to rely on discernment. Okay, so we're talking about how to follow the cloud. And we've already talked, we, we, we know that the cloud is a realm, it's a portal, and it's, it's where the Lord remains and dwells. Um, and it provides access to him. And access to him is the same thing as saying everything concerning us. All right? That is what following the cloud means. So now I'm going to give you the closest thing to a checklist. Okay? The first thing to consider in how to follow the cloud is, number one, have we arrived at a place where we even agree that we need the navigation, that we need to follow the cloud? That the, the, the first step would be identifying, am I there? Do I even need it? Do I even want it? I know that sounds really basic, but you'd be surprised. Or... What that doesn't look like, right? So you think, you think well, that's pretty, um, well, of course. Of course I want the cloud. But if that's not active right now, what that looks like is a real technon, immature sun reality where we only reach out to the Lord when we're in crises. So if we've cultivated a lifestyle like that, and that was, that was me, you know, people always know where to run when, they, when there's crises, right? So... So it's either option A or option B. It's either taking the invitation and following or it's running to the Lord when something goes wrong or we're uncomfortable. Okay. That's how I started. That's literally how I started. Um, 
Or is it when we only consider the Lord in the big decisions? Oh, I don't know. I, you know, I think we're supposed to move. And then we start to actually tune in and lean in and go, all right, Lord, what are you saying? The Lord, we, we can't afford to compartmentalize our lives. Because remember, following the cloud is the Lord's design to transition us internally as well as externally. Now, there's nothing wrong with consulting him on the big decisions if that's the lifestyle that we've, that we've built and we've cultivated. But what happens then is it's very difficult to do that transition well and to not be traumatized in the process. Okay? Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. You know, it's like being hangry. You get everything is unnecessarily dramatic when you leave it to, yeah. All right. Um. When people turn to, I want to say this before I move on. When people turn to the Lord in a crisis, now that's how we did it. We discovered, we found the path that the cloud is actually a thing through crises. You know, you've heard me say this before, I'm not going to go into it again, but when we came into VOD, we were pretty messed up. Like pretty much everything was messed up. When we do that, we then become confronted with how much of our lives are so misaligned, right? So when we decide that we go into the journey of, I accept your invitation, which starts, if you're not, if, if the cloud is something you haven't even thought about, then the invitation is now, and this is day one, right? When you decide to go in, you are at a completely different vantage point because you've gone in with insight and awareness of what you're doing rather than feeling like a ping pong ball that is just you just end up where you end up because you, didn't, you don't even know. By the time you go from there to there, you're still trying to catch up with what happened in the last season, right? And that's trauma. And the devil preaches through trauma. Okay. So if today's day one for you with following the cloud or wh- wherever you are, always start, because we, uh, we're still on step one. Step one is identifying you even need, um, uh, you know, you even need to, to follow the cloud in your life. Step one would be to identify what is the lowest common denominator that you actually have to work with. So don't pitch up here. I'll do whatever you say. I'll go wherever you want me to go. Like, let's, let's, let's go with the lowest common denominator. For us, by the time we found, we came into awareness of, oh my gosh, there is a thing of following the cloud. By the time we got there, the only thing that, by when I cut away all the fat and all the fluff, the only thing that I actually had was, God, you have to be real. So it wasn't even scripture. It was that phrase, either you're real or you're not. Either you're real or you're not. So find what is the lowest common denominator that you have to build with. That, that's what it was for us. For the Israelites, their lowest common denominator was that they were now free of Egypt. Because when the cloud manifested for them, they were still on this side of the Red Sea. They hadn't crossed yet. But they knew that they were no longer in the, in the, the, the cities that they were living in. They were actually already travelled through portions of the wilderness and they're now trapped. When the cloud manifested for them, they were already trapped. 
So their lowest common denominator in that moment was, well, right now I'm not carrying bricks on my back. That was it. If the cloud had, this is my opinion, this is not in the Bible, this is my opinion. If the cloud had manifested first while they were in Egypt, they would still be looking at it today trying to work out what it is and what to do with it. God planned it that way. Really, really quickly. Um, No, if I've got time, I'll come back to that. All right. Okay. So go for you. Find your lowest common denominator. Number two, how to follow the cloud. The second thing to consider would be, do I actually know how to recognize his presence? Because remember, the cloud is, is where, he, where he abides, where he dwells. Okay? Do I know? Have I actually cultivated a lifestyle where I know what his presence feels like? And, and it doesn't have to be a feeling. It can just be recognizing a frequency. The more time you spend with someone, the more you just know them. Have you seen that experiment where they get a whole bunch of toddlers that can barely walk and they blindfold them and they line up their mums? And then the toddlers go along the line and they, you know, they, they smell and they touch their mum's face and then they actually stop at, at, the, right, at the correct person? It's, very, it's a very moving thing to watch. But, you know, the mums aren't saying anything and, and half of their face is covered with, you know, so their ability to feel the landscape is slightly compromised. But the more time you spend with someone, the more time you, um, you just recognise them. So have you spent time cultivating that relationship with him? That, and that's how, that's, what, that's how we started. I can't speak for Nick um, when, when, when it comes to this part, but for, for myself, I, I, we, were, we were in such a broken, desperate place that that became my priority. Otherwise, everything about me was fake. So I just, it was all about spending time with him. And don't worry if you don't know how to do it. I didn't either. I, and, I, and I used to say that out loud. I, I, I listen, I, I guess you're here and I guess you're listening and I'm here too. So let's just, let's just start off from here. That's literally how I would talk. Um, third thing to consider would be, have you been faithful with what you already know? That's called stewarding. Have you built with the revelation that you've received? Have the revela- have, have everything that, has everything that you've ever heard that you witnessed to be truth, have you actually created an internal pillar? That's, our, that's actually our responsibility to build with the truth that we're given. The, that's stewarding what you already know. So don't worry, we, we get consumed with what we don't have. Start building with what you do have. You know, what's interesting here, talking about literally the wilderness, Hagar. Hagar is where we get, it was from her revelation, her journey, her experience, where we get the revelation of Elroy. It was her story. It was her experience where she has this massive revelation of a, a God that was foreign to her. You are the God who sees. And then a few years later, she's back in the same situation. She's in the desert gives up on life altogether, dumps her son under a bush and walks a bow shot away. Do you know how far a, a bow shoots? It's, it's far. 
she, it says that she dumps him under a shrub. She walks a bow shot away so she wouldn't see or hear him die slowly. And this is the woman who, the last time she was in this situation, had a massive revelation, crazy encounter. Angel appears. She gets an epic prophetic word. And the next time she's in the wilderness, she's just like, life is over, it's too hard, I'm going to dump you here and I just can't handle this anymore. And, and she succumbs to the feels. So, and I learned this very quickly. You can have, I actually became frustrated with the level of prophetic that I engaged with because at some point I, I got to was, what's the point? Having all of these crazy encounters and visions and yeah, they're amazing, but it's not producing anything. What's the point? That is a process of hope deferred. So we have to really build on what we know. Because then, you know, the Lord speaks to her and, he's, and he says, going back to Hagar, I'm talking about Hagar. He goes to her and basically what he's saying is, I'm here because I heard his cry. Not yours. God wasn't moved by her completely giving in to the natural circumstances, even though she had the revelation of Elroy, you're, you're, you're accountable for what you know. He says to her, I heard the, the cry of the boy. That's what he says to her. Okay. Um, and really, really quickly, let's just do Exodus 14, 13, where Moses rebukes the Israelites when they start panicking because they're now trapped by the Red Sea and the, the Egyptian army's coming. And he says, do not be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The word stand still means to present yourself. It means to remain. It means to set yourself and hold fast. It means manage yourself. That's what it means. That's what he's saying to them. Manage yourself. The fourth thing to consider when it comes to um, following the cloud. And I'm going to share at the end of this really quickly. I'm going to go through this quickly. And at the end, I'm going to share what following the cloud looks like in our, what it looked like in our journey. So it's not just an abstract concept. It's nice to see it um, through an actual experience. So the fourth thing to consider would be, am I prepared to count the cost? There's always a cost. What does cost look like? Depending on what the cloud's moving on, cost looks like relationships, finance, time, um, your comfort levels, and this is probably the hardest one, surrendering your value systems for his. Now, the Israelites, or not, not all of them, some of them didn't. Some of them chose to not immerse themselves in the following the cloud process. They kept the cloud external. So their inner worlds didn't evolve and become transformed along the journey. They didn't make themselves narrow. They were led, they were driven, but they weren't led. Okay? So, and, and we know that the ones that perished along the way were the ones that were rebellious, the ones that had grievance or, or, um, or made accusations against God. You, how many times did they say, did you bring us out here to die? 
Now, I've preached on that many times. I'm not going to go into that. So we need to count the cost and choose to immerse ourselves in the entire process of the transition. The fifth thing to consider is that even if you're not sure, faith is the greatest currency. Even if you're not sure, because there will be times, again, because you don't have a pillar of cloud, literally, by day and fire by night. So sometimes you've really got to go on some prophetic mapping that you've, you know, that you've managed or an unction or just a feel. And that's, that's hard sometimes. But faith is the greatest currency. Faith is the only thing that moves the Lord. Faith is the only thing. Now, I'm going to just quickly go back to this imagery of the shrub and, and a dying teenage boy. He wasn't little. He was, he was about a teenager, which I don't understand why he weakened first. Anyway, um, but there's, um, there's Hagar over there who actually received the prophetic word for his life. He received the same prophetic word as Isaac did, okay? And she's, she's seen the angel. She's had the interaction a few years before that. She's the one that, and it says when she, when she cried out, she cried out unto herself. She didn't even cry out to any God, let alone the God. She didn't even cry out to her, her own Egyptian gods. It says that she cried out unto herself. But it says that the boy cried out for water. He cried out for life. And that's what moved the Lord. Because his cry for his life to be sustained made a demand on the scroll that was written of him. So even if you don't even know what you're doing, it doesn't matter. It's the heart posture that matters. If you know it is your right to be led of the cloud and you cry out from that place, you'll know the cloud. Now, next thing I want to quickly go into is how to recognise when the cloud is moving. The cloud doesn't just sprint away from you. It's an organic process that the Lord always speaks into first, if we're listening. So the Lord will always begin to give us warning. He will always begin to gently massage that, that awareness into our worlds. And the cloud won't always make sense. It just doesn't. It's a process he's always speaking into. Now, how to recognise when the cloud is moving. Where he is, yeah, and you've got to look for his substance, right? Always look for his character and nature. Where he is, there should be ease, there should be peace, there should be grace, right? The blessings of the Lord make us rich and it adds no toil. And in some translations, it's sorrow. Okay, so if the Lord is, if, if, if you're doing something in life, if you are, yep, this is, the, this is the job I'm meant to be in, but it's a hard grind, have the conversation with the Lord. Is this actually where I'm meant to be or am I flogging a dead horse? Wisdom will be justified by her children. Because if the Lord has led you somewhere that's going to look like something. So the, you'll recognise that the cloud begins to move because the grace begins to lift in an area. Toil will begin to develop. There'll be no ease. 
and there'll be no peace. Now, again, if you are starting out, this might seem a little bit advanced because some of us are probably thinking, I've never heard half of this, and that's okay. When we started, the following the cloud journey began with heart journey. It began with realigning our lives and there was no movement geographically or territory taking. The Lord's not stupid. So the beginning will always feel like a realignment internally. So you can outwork the transition externally. Okay. Is everyone okay? Very good, very good. All right. I'm going to now move into touching on everything I've said through our journey. I'm now going to share parts of our journey, right? So you can have a look at what it looks like to follow the cloud. If I had to describe our journey of following the cloud, um, it'd be a lot like that landing. <laughs> as in, we knew that we, you know, anyway, it, it, it's scary as, it's exciting, it's adventurous, it's frustrating, it's costly, but it's extremely rewarding. That's, that's the journey of following the cloud. So, like I said, we began with zero awareness of it. In, to be honest, it was more, we were in survival. If the beginning process felt like survival, because when you begin to engage, I'm not, I am not manifesting anything the Lord's written of me. I want scroll immediately. That's a light on your world. You come under weight, you come under scrutiny immediately or a level of. So that feels like something. Okay. So that's how we started. We realized we were in Egypt. We knew we weren't on scroll and we knew we were orphans. And so the following years from that point, so we're talking 2016, the following years from then on were primarily spent aligning areas of our life. I'm talking everything. How we spent our time, how we spent our money, who we hung out with, how we hung out with, who we hung out with. Uh, you know, our customs, our conversation, our manner. Sound familiar? Everything. Some things were easy to, easier to adjust than other things, but that was what took a good couple of years Now, remember, following the cloud for the Israelites looked like this. It looked like getting from one geographical location to the other, okay? So it was measured in distance. Following the cloud now looks like this. So don't say to yourself, I can't afford two years of hard journey because I, I, I want to be in the promised land. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way because when you align when you, when you engage the inner transition and you align, you automatically are going up the mountain. And I'm going to actually give you proof of that um, in um, this part of the preach. Um, all right. So we, we engaged heart journey hardcore. We began the straight, the straightening, remember? The straightening, which means to become narrow. And boy, did we become narrow. And we allowed ourselves to be led through the way. I was telling the interns, oh, Lumen, 
how do you say it? Luminaries? The luminaries? Yep. I was telling um, the, this sounds so weird. <laughs> I was telling those guys on Wednesday when I was sharing this part of um, my story, I was saying to them, you know, if you're going to do this, if you're going to decide to engage following the cloud, literally lay down all of your ideas of what it, that looks like. Because his idea of leading you means he wants to address everything in your world. We did not, well, we did organic, like we, we didn't know ignorantly whenever we identified that we were doing things like, okay, so we did this whole heart journey and it was only last year that we realised our cat wasn't desexed or registered. That's a breach. I'm triggering someone in this room right now and I'm not going to expose them. But that's a breach because according to my counsel, all cats need to be desexed and registered. But I had already done crazy heart journey by then, but because I'd never thought about it because I'm a Greek, Greeks don't register their cats. They don't do that. We don't go to lovely breeders and pay thousands of dollars for cats. It's just not that we, my dad would be turning in his grave right now if he found out how much people pay for cats. It's just not something we do. So it was part of my custom. We didn't even think about it. When we were relying our lives, I didn't even think about Chico and whether he had certain things or not. Did not think like that. So over time, it's the posture that I'm talking about. You're not going to get, you're not going to realign your entire life in one day. But it's the posture that you maintain that whenever he does breathe on something, you recognize it straight away. That's following the cloud. Okay. Hmm. I don't even know where I am now. Okay, yep, so we had uh, allowed ourselves to become very um, narrow. I could tell you another story, but I won't. Okay, I'll really quickly, okay. So somebody, who I'm not going to name, um, caught... Oh. An animal that they weren't supposed to catch. <laughs> And they brought it over for my kids to have. And my kids were so excited. And I was excited because I used to catch this animal in, when I grew up in the outback. Um, and then I grabbed Nick and we ran down to pet stock and we were going to build an entire home for this animal. And um, I had chosen everything. And then the person says, where did you get the animal from? I was, and, and immediately my discernment was like, be very careful. And I said, it was given to me. And they said, um, you're not allowed to have those without a permit. And I said, I put all the stuff down. I went and emptied my cart. <laughs> I went home and I released it. I released it. You know, don't, don't despise the small things. Because what you choose to disassociate from, you can't control what begins to live in the rest of your world. It's a process of hardening your heart. God didn't harden Pharaoh's heart until the sixth plague. He hardened his heart the first five times. Okay? All right. Moving on. So I'm going to give you now, a li um, I'm going to give you now examples of the micro things that we did that look like following the cloud. I've already given you some, but, you know. So I told you that we spent the first few years primarily just focusing on heart journey and realigning and, you know, uh, allowing him to completely remove the threshing. And it felt like that too, the viol to violently separate is what that word means. We allow the Lord to completely remove those things that weren't conducive to our walk or what we wanted our walk to be. Okay. Um, 
And then the greatest thing that we really held on to, and, and I can actually say this quite confidently, I'm going to share a secret with you. This is like a tip. If you really want acceleration, if you really, 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 really want to accelerate this part of your journey and you really want to manifest fullness, and I'm not saying I'm manifesting fullness, but like if you really want acceleration, become obsessed with who he is and not who you are in him. Become obsessed with him because in the doing of that, you will automatically learn who you are. But when it's all about you and, and I'm striving to become a son, you will always do it the slow way. When you become obsessed with who he is, it automatically displaces things in your world that are raised up against him. It's a quick, a very quick and aggressive way to do heart journey. There's, there is no evidence that I'm aware of, and I'm sure I'll get messages if, if I got this wrong, there, there's no evidence in the Word that demonstrates where our identity, even as sons, trumps His. There's no, there's no evidence of that. You know, even with Jesus. When Jesus was in the garden, He was more passionate about who His Father was than anything that He was or had become. And he had done a lot by then. Okay? He was more obsessed with his father's plan and not the plan. He wasn't obsessed with a, a, a written plan. He was obsessed with his father's heart. So, and you could pick any of your favorites. Pick any of your favorites in the word, like, you know, all, all these people from the Bible. At the end of the day, it wasn't about them, it was about what they did that was connected to mandate. And mandate always is a manifestation of the Lord's heart. So every account in the word, of every, like every mandate, every battle, every interaction, every event was always about who the Lord is, not where and how we fit into that. The, the beauty of that is we find fullness when we do that because we are not separate from him. In, in, in learning who he is and becoming obsessed with who he is, we become a tree planted. We become uh, longing fulfilled, causes us to be a tree of life planted firmly. And it's that mindset that creates a platform for the cloud. You want to accelerate the cloud, following the cloud process, become obsessed with who he is. Okay, moving on to our story. So, you know, we, we really built that way. We really became, because um, we had nothing else. And sometimes the Lord will, will allow you to hit rock bottom. He will allow you to be cornered by the Red Sea. And, and Egypt is coming straight after you in order for him to, like, you know, get our attention sometimes. But anyway, so we, we just really went after, like, you know, heart journey. Um, and then, you know, through the journey, the journey looked like this, uh, and I don't have time to go into it, but we were, the, the cloud moved on from the house that we were in, and he called us to buy a house that we couldn't afford and in a time frame that was impossible almost. And everybody told us we were crazy. Everybody. But he said it. So we did it. And we, you know, landed in the house. 
face-planted more like it. We face-planted in the house and we were just, you know, enjoying the reward. It was our promised land. The Lord used a lot of um, uh, parallels to the Exodus story. That's how we got a lot of our prophetic coordinates to move from this house to the other house. It was literally our promised land. There's a creek that runs between the old house and the house that we bought. And he said to us, that's your Jordan. He goes, you will cross that. And we were obedient to that. We actually crossed that creek. Do you remember that day? They're like, stop embarrassing us. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so that was our promised land, right? And, and we landed there and we were, reward, we, we were enjoying the reward of, of, that, of, of landing in the promised land. Um, and in that time frame, um, the Lord then moved on, the, the cloud moved on the kids' schooling. Because remember, it's not always about moving geographical locations. It's about everything in your world. Where's a cloud resting? And I already shared with you that we pulled the kids out of school. Um, and then, you know, three years went by and we were enjoying, it, which was our dream house, literally was the, our dream house. And we're building like crazy in the Lord. And the Lord in that three years began to really expand um, our territory. Um, in that time, uh, I had taken on a lot of responsibilities ministry-wise. I birthed the ministry. I was invited to the Amazon. That's all expanding territory, right? They're all invitations. I'd taken on youth um, and it was just like I could just see growth. I could just see like, yeah, this is fruit. This is fruit, right? All the while we're being trimmed, we're being bent. That, that doesn't stop, right? And we were, we were continuing to allow our worlds to become very narrow. And while I'm in the Amazon, the Lord starts to speak to me very clearly and he tells me to end... Um, a school that I was running privately, which he told me to start running just before the Amazon, which made me some really good money. And then he's, while I was in the Amazon, he said, I want you to stop the school. I want you to resign from the youth position. I want you to shut down this other private group that you're running. I want you to like, he, just bang, 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 bang. I don't want you to offer any more intensives because I was running private intensives. And I knew it was him because I had... I didn't start there. I had cultivated a lifestyle of just being obsessed with who he was. I knew it was him. None of it made sense, but we, I did it anyway. But I started to feel like maybe I was being demoted. Like, just a little bit. Like, I was like, I, 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 was like why? I feel like everything's being taken away from me. But I began to recognise the transition. I don't know why. I don't know why you're asking me to do all these things, but something's, something's brewing and I don't know what it is. And that's okay. Not long after getting back from the Amazon... Um, the Lord tells us to sell our house. Now, this is our dream house, remember? Now, what's funny is two days before that, um, we were planning renovations. We were picking tiles. We were deciding which bathroom we were going to renovate first. So we, we were now emotionally building, you know, I had already, I already, you know, when you go to bed, and that time before you fall asleep, you think about what your new kitchen's going to look like or your new bathroom's going to look like. I had built in another dimension, right? And then the Lord came in, and he came in aggressively, not, in a, not violently in a bad way, but he came in in a way that was impossible to ignore him because I had, you know, I was kind of like, oh, this, this is it, this is the promised land, this is where we're staying. And he tells us to sell the house. I'm, I'm rushing through this because for time's sake... Um, we had no idea why, it didn't make sense, and we didn't want to. We didn't want to. 
because he, we had, by this point, we had cultivated a lifestyle where we didn't do anything unless he told us to. So it wasn't like, okay, we're going to sell the house, but where to next? He spoke nothing. He didn't say anything. And you know where the cloud landed? At my mum's house, where I began. So I'm already feeling demoted. Now I'm going back with Spawn and a husband back into my mother's house. Felt like a teenager who'd come back off the street. <laughs> anyway, so we were being called back into the wilderness, and I knew that it was a wilderness season. But that was okay. And as we were doing the, you know, the shuttle runs from, you know, bringing stuff to my mum's house, every single time we'd, we'd unload the car or the trailer, I'd say to Nick on the drive back, I'd say to him, I can feel the cloud here. I can actually feel. So the cloud had left our house before we had actually settled and sold. So in the time that the Lord said sell, we sold, but that, that takes weeks. In that time, the cloud had moved on from our house and the house was just, it was just a house. Now my house was beautiful. My views were amazing. Everyone thought we were crazy. People who, do, who don't know, you know, who don't understand these things. Um, and, but life had left the house. I remember I told Maddie, I said, Maddie, I'm, I'm selling. She's like, why? I said, the cloud moved. And she's like, are you Sure. And I said, yes, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. She came over, at, I don't know, she came over to drop something off one day and she walked in and Maddie had spent a lot of time at my house in, in the previous years. She, she walked in and she just stood there. She goes, oh, she goes, life has left this house. She said, the Lord's not here. She, and then she said, this house is like a leaf that is going to wither. If you stay, that would not be good. So that was, that, it was nice to have that level of confirmation just by her walking into a place that she was used to and then she's like, no, life has left. So the cloud had moved and, and we were following along. Okay. Um, mm, all right. Here's another tip really quickly. The Israelites and their journey are a type. They are not the hard and fast rule. There is more than one promised land. Okay? So the Israelites are a type. If the Lord has led you to your promised land, you have to hold everything loosely. There are many promised lands, and that's what going up the mountain and living in that, that's what that looks like. Okay? So he literally asked us to leave our promised land to go back into the wilderness. We're currently still in the wilderness, but we're not alone. We're in the wilderness. We're in him. We're with him. There is so much. Like, it's, we have not looked back once. And whenever we go, um, whenever we go back to that area, because we still shop at that supermarket because it's flipping amazing. <laughs> and, you know, we, we've, we've got like, you know, we've got... Uh, People that we still hang out with in, in that area, when we go back, there is zero desire to just do a drive-by. You know when you do a drive-by to see what the new people have done with the place? Zero desire to go back. Zero desire. We don't even think about it. And today, I pulled up on my phone a photo um, that I had taken as like, oh, look at my view. I'm going to take one more photo of my view. I looked at it and I just went, hmm, big deal. Like there was, there was nothing there. So what I want to say is this. When you learn to 
When you agree to see following the cloud for what it is and it's a journey of making yourself narrow, you don't become traumatised by the journey and sorrow does not attach to the next season. Sorrow doesn't attach to the next season. Sorry, I'm only going to be a couple of more minutes. Just let me get through this. Um, Okay, I've got so much to say, but I'll I'll end it here. I'm landing now, okay? Um, So the reason why sorrow doesn't attach is because of the way that you choose to see it. And don't ever, 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 ever remove your heart from the obedience process. Your heart is very important and the feels of your heart when you're being called to do something you don't want to do. Okay, just because it's obedience doesn't mean it's a sterile clinical process. That's not the Lord at all. Okay, that's religious. Okay, each and every one of the times that the cloud moved for us came with levels of discomfort and pain, disappointment, stretching and grief every single time. When we told the kids that we were selling the house, we rounded them up. We, we made the decision in 10 minutes because we recognised the cloud. And we're like, rounded the kids up. All right, kids, um, I've got to tell you something. Uh, we're selling the house. And they were like, oh. And, they, um, and they're like, why? And we said, because the cloud has moved. They, we all cried for maybe, you know, two, three minutes. But it wasn't like, it was like, oh, 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 the realisation of what that actually meant, right? You're now paying attention to the room that you're in and you're not going to be there anymore and whatever. So we all kind of cried for about two minutes. And then you could just see joy and, and anticipation come up in the kids because they've learnt what following the cloud means. It had built testimony in them. And, and one of my kids said to me, what did he say? So the, 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 the response from my children when telling them that their world's about to be turned upside down was, wow, okay, and, and you know, allow themselves to feel it. And then it was like, you know, through snot and tears, what, what did he say? And how did he say it? That is building memorial stones, establishing markers in the next generation so then it becomes a standard and not a traumatic, weird, religious, like, you know, I'm going to realign my life when I've hit crisis mode as a standard in their worlds. So don't ever underestimate sharing or, um, or processing, even to others, what following the cloud looks like. And, and what, I want to, um, what I want to quickly say here is this. This is what I'm landing on. Don't ever remove your heart from the obedience process because every season of transition will feel like something and there will be, there will be levels of, of pain, discomfort or grief. Jesus himself grieved transition. The guy sweat blood. That's a level of grief we're not going to really understand. So in the garden, he grieved as he was surrendering his will. And this, this is quickly, um, are you guys all right if I just go for like two or three more minutes? Just, I just want to say, what I, okay, I mean, you're free to go, but, but don't, because that'll just make me feel bad. But. <laughs> he grieved in the garden, yep, all right. Um, okay, if you don't cultivate a lifestyle of following the cloud, and you don't, if you don't allow your heart to, to um, raise his value system above yours, 
Transition will happen whether you transition or not. But it's external and not internal. That looks like the loss of a loved one. That looks like the loss of a job. These aren't punishments or consequences. Following the cloud is the Lord giving you the heads up. It's time to move. Let's move so you are actually always ahead of the curve. So you aren't subject to the seasons in your life. You actually become an active participant in bringing that into land. And it doesn't preach to you. It actually builds testimony in you. Okay, so transition will happen whether you allow it to, to um, make your inner world narrow to be straightened or not, whether you are led or not. Transition will happen externally. The ideal is that you do it. The plan is that you do it internally along with the external transition. External transitions, like I said, look like loss of love, a loved one, change in work situations, changes in leadership in governments. That's a transition. Changes in the real estate market. He speaks into all of those things. When he asked us to sell our house, we bought it at, when the market, we didn't know because we had no idea because we followed the cloud. So we went looking at, like, okay, we're going to measure the cloud up against what's happening. We're not that, you know, way inclined. We just did what he said. So, and then we found out later that we bought it at a really good time and we sold it at a high. That's what following the cloud looks like. Okay. So in causing yourself to become narrow is actually a process of enlarging your heart the right way. So that is, the, that is what transition does. Transition should cause you to enlarge in your heart. Because in order to hold, outwork, the promotion of what the next season looks like is going to require levels of transformation internally. Okay? And you know what that looks like? It looks like Jesus in the garden seeing it as joy set before him. He allowed, that's, that, let, just think about that for a second. He was wrestling his will to the point where his pores were, were, were oozing with blood. Don't tell me that that's not torment and that's not grief. Surrenders his will in order to see his upcoming torture as joy because of what it represented. So if it's good enough for him, why isn't it good enough for us? That's what following the cloud and seeing it his way looks like. He, that, that, that's what that process does to the inner world. You know, and recently, um, I'm, I'm ending on this. Recently, um, like I said before, we're in the Middle East. And that all came back. We had no plans. We didn't even know why we were going. We didn't know we were going the Lord, as soon as he told us to sell, to sell the house, we started asking all the logical questions. Where are we buying next? And he didn't speak into that. He just said, sell the house. And he goes, he kept talking about the Middle East, Middle East, Middle East, Middle East. So we went. We were like, okay, well, you weren't, he, he stopped. You, we only had so much information, so we had to actually go over there, put our feet on the ground. And I'm not going to go into it now, but, you know, he, he showed us some stuff and some stuff we're still trying to work out what it even meant. But there was a lot of stuff, a lot of confirmation. He was there. The cloud was there as well, okay? So, so we, we, we found him there. We were actually trying to tee up being um, met by um, Daryl and Bell have connections over there that were going to like, we, we don't know who they are, but, um, 
uh, but they were going to like take us around or take us out for dinner. And the time that the, the only window that we could go over there was the only time in every all year they're there that one week they're in Perth. So we were like, but the Lord said, he said to us before we left, he, he actually said to us, he said, I, I, I want to take you around. I want to show you around. So I'm sitting there and I'm still trying to work out. Every day over breakfast, I'm still trying to work out, why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I here? And I was talking to Todd while he was in Switzerland and I said to him, I said, I'm not used to doing it this way. I'm used to mapping in team. I've got, a, I've got 50 coordinates, but I'm used to mapping. I said, I'm not used to doing it this way. I said, I haven't been sent to Victor Harbour alone, let alone the other side of the world. I actually said that to him. I said, I don't understand why I'm here. But there, was, there were undeniable signs that we were, we were exactly where we were meant to be. And the Lord said to me, it wasn't a rebuke, but he said to me, he said, don't put me in a formula. You don't have to do the Victor Harbour trips before you get given the Middle East. He goes, the process of becoming straight and narrow Paying the price, always counting the cost, is currency. And, and it's that straightness that happens inside that allows you to go straight to another complete different territory. Don't measure tit for tat. It doesn't work that way. I'm still wrapping my head around it. Does that make sense? Okay. So I'm, I'm going to end it there. So my homework would be consider those five points and try to identify where in your world the cloud is. Not where it isn't, where it is. Where is the cloud in your world? And then lean into that and, and, and really get a feel for what that feels like. And then you can begin the conversation of and where are you not? There you go. Thank you. Sorry, that went really long. Sorry. Sorry. So good. Awesome. Can we put the pads on quickly? Or quickly, as long as it takes to put them on. Was that an amazing word? That was really, really profoundly good. So please do lean into that. I'm not going to ask for thanks multiple times as I normally do because I want to stay in that realm. Um, it's a brilliant word. Hey, Christina said something that I thought was so, so excellent. And it was about where, and I just want to minister, we just, I just want to minister off this for literally two minutes before we, before we go home or go for, for dinner. The, amen. And so... And so, um, but what I want to say is that, do you know when she was talking about, I don't go driving past and there's no pool? That was so, so profound. Do you know why? Because the old season, she let her heart, she let her heart go with the old season. And I feel like this is really, really important. There are, I literally felt the Lord say to me, there are many people that haven't allowed they haven't allowed the death of the old harvest field, the death of the old season, and there's still a pull from when they should have set up a memorial stone, which is exactly what Christina said. 
you should, there should have been a memorial stone set up which represented the transition to the new. There was nothing set up. And so there's still this, these, these niggling thoughts, what if? What if? And I spoke about this the other day. But, but I want to encourage you, how many people have something in their world that could still be in a place of what if rather than a memorial stone being laid the way that, whether it was a, so many people, whether it was a transition to Adelaide or selling of a house or, and I just wanted to, for a couple, if that's you, just stand to your feet. This will take literally one minute because it's really, really important. There are transitional times and moments where you moved, you did something, you sold something, but there was the, 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 clarity of transition wasn't made and so yet there was still something that was pulling you into a place of not actually the last season and that's what happened to the Israelites that's why the Israelites walking around even though it wasn't comfortable they were going oh if only we were back in Egypt when we had all those nice cucumbers it's literally what it was like and so just pray this if that if, if that's you and you're standing to say father in the name of Jesus in this week I choose to yield to your Holy Spirit to help me to build a memorial place, a memorial stone (laughs) that set up the crossing over. Holy Spirit, I thank you you that you've always led me by the cloud. And I choose today to not look in the rearview mirror but to continually, steadfastly, and permanently look forward in Jesus' name. And so I just believe that God is going to speak to people about what it is to set things up in your heart that allow you to permanently and and significantly and entirely transition from those old things into the new things. I know that because I have driven past my house in Tranmere a number of times and I feel that my old house, I built a house in Tranmere and built whatever. And then, and I felt the Lord say, I went to drive past it one time and I felt the Lord go, what are you doing? And I'm like, i got to see. What are you doing? And so I feel like the Lord is saying, I don't feel like it's just about houses, multiple things. Allow the Lord to put a permanent wedge a permanent, a permanent line of divide between you, you and that last season in order that you can wholeheartedly follow the cloud in the new season. Is that good? Awesome. Let's thank Christina. That was an amazing word. Come on. You might be saying, what about my communion? It's going to be okay. You guys can take communion on the way out, but, but we're going to leave it there. So thank you so much for everything. Thank you for being here this afternoon. Uh, this week's going to be a big week. Please do the homework that Christina set up. Really, really important to do that with regards to engaging and following the cloud. Or the <laughs> and, and, and we look forward to seeing you next Sunday or next Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, and next Sunday too. It's going to be an amazing time and an amazing week. angel here. How many people are in transition right now? Oh God. If you're in transition, stand up. There's an angel of trans- I've worked transition for many years. Okay. Um, anyone in geographic transition? Hand up. 
One person, two people, great. Thank you. Awesome. There are people in transition here. Well, this. Who? I'm going to get Christina to just pray. No, because she just ministered. Just for inclining your ear to the cloud in transition. That's virtually every person in the whole church. So, so I think that's important. Is that cool? Just wait for a second. She's going to come. She's going to pray for inclining your ear to hear and encourage in that. So. I'm going to do two things at once. I'm going to be speaking to your hearts as I pray. So I'm going to be inviting your hearts into a process rather than your hearts feel like they're being spoken at. So just engage. Just engage however it is. The first thing I want you to do is just completely relax. I'm just going to remind your hearts that you will not be overrun. You will not be overtaken. Just completely relax. Holy Spirit, right now, we thank you. We thank you that it is your desire to bring us from point to point on eagle's wings. We thank you that it is your desire, the way that you see transition is through covenant eyes, that you see it. The word there that you bore them on eagle's wings means to magnify us. It means that you exalt us. It means that you have, you are in covenant with us. You are joint, you are married to us. That's what that word actually means. And that was your plan, your motivation, your intention, and your design the entire time. So we thank you that that is our portion in regards to transition. So right now we just bring every other voice that raises itself against the knowledge of you. Voices that speak of despair. Voices that speak of loss and discouragement and fear and insecurity. We bring that into submission to what you have said. That you said that you have chosen to exalt us in transition. You have chosen to uphold covenant, that you hold it above your name. You hold it above your identity. So we just thank you that that is the sure place, that we receive the grace now and the invitation to see our transitions the way that you see them. We thank you that that is the plumb line. And I just speak to each and everyone's heart. And I just invite you into a place to give yourself permission to see that even now as you stand, the Lord is right there. He didn't arrive to hear this process with you. He's never left you nor forsaken you. And we thank you that as you begin to magnify the reality of His person, you will already begin to experience His frequency and His fragrance, His essence. And that He promises, if you incline, if you turn to me with all of your heart. So we thank you right now, Holy Spirit, that your word says, in your light, we will see light. And we thank you that you're already beginning to shine your light on the areas that we have faithfully stewarded. We thank you that you do not measure us by understanding. You measure us by heart motivation. You measure us by our willingness to draw near to you. 
So I just release whatever, whatever the substance of this word, whatever the substance that you had intended to be carried on this word, I just release right now in whatever capacity people have to receive. And we thank you for a grace to enlarge their hearts to receive more. I thank you right now for every seed that was sown will not be taken. We thank you that you will manifest as good soil. We thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that you are faithful. above all things you desire to carry the weight and the burden of the process that all you require is our yes and amen but it is you who watches over by night and by day it is you that gives a strategy it is you that provides we thank you that that is how you want to flex We thank you for a season of romance, of being called up the mountain.